Every, every minute we start late, I go 10 minutes over. It only, it, 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 that only seems fair. Hey, by the way, it's 1045 right now. That's right. So that means you're early today. That's right. I'm early today. <laughs> yes. Good morning, church family. Good morning. I know you thought last week our dog and pony show was over, but one more week, bear with us. Um, <laughs> first of all, thank you. Thank you for allowing the three of us to take time with you on Sunday morning for the past month. Thank you for ta taking your time and attending one of our small group meetings. And thank you for taking the time to fill out your intention page and returning it. We ho hope you also returned the future of Clinton United Methodist Church in those forms also. We'd like to take a couple minutes to do some clarifying. Some things have popped up either through the meetings or questions afterwards. Why did we spend all this time and energy on this project? The reason we did the Discipleship Equals Stewardship campaign was to be reborn. Reborn with our discipleship and reborn with our stewardship. Being born again is like a restart or being recharged. We were kind of stuck in a rut. Our focus was on trying to survive. Now we want to thrive. We Amen. needed to ask some tough questions to hopefully recharge ourselves. Hopefully, you all have grown a little bit through this process. We definitely have. What will happen with those forms that you turn in? As you know, we've asked you to put some confidential information on there, and the three of us are not privy to your dollar amounts. So we have asked our counters to record what they need to off of those sheets. They will be opening those forms, and they will cut that bottom part off and give us all the rest that we will then summarize. We want to look at your goals, talents, and gifts that you've listed. We will read over those and report back to you our findings. Hopefully the forms will also give us information so your finance and ad board can set some goals for the new year. What will happen if we give all our fundraising money away? If you remember from those packets, we projected that next year we would like to take fundraising money out of our equation for income, operating budget. Um, I would ask you to have faith. Luke 6, 3, 38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. 
The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. What we do for Jesus has positive returns. We don't have to go far to be missional. Our intention of being missional does not mean we are going to write out checks and hand them over to organizations or folks in need. Our wish is that we will go out into the community, to the folks around us, where they are, and listen and help as we can. We can no longer sit in the church waiting for folks to come to us. The kingdom of God is open to anyone who walks through the gates. Unfortunately, folks won't walk through or accept Christ if we don't share him. Let's take Jesus to them. Remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, stay and make disciples. In closing, we'd like to share what goes on during the, an average week in preparation for a Sunday morning worship service. So my assistants, my Vannas, are going to help with our little demonstration. Number one, cleaning takes place. Number two, our choir spends time practicing, and then they sing on Sunday mornings. Number three, we make coffee in the morning for Mike, coffee with Mike, and there's coffee hour after worship. Number four, someone gathers up all the garbage and makes sure our containers are out by the curb so when garbage comes by, it can be emptied. Number five, we have greeters. We have folks that prepare the sanctuary. As you'll notice, we have a new arrangement today for communion. Number seven, our Sunday school teachers prep and show up on Sunday morning. Number eight, Mike does some prep for his messages. Sermon prep. Number nine, we record the attendance and put it into the computer every week. Number nine. Oh, number 10, we pay the bills. Number 11, we have liturgists who volunteer their time to help. We have folks that prepare stuff for communion. Number 12, I'm sorry. Number 13, we have to update the announcements and our prayer concerns. Then number 14, we have to print and fold the bulletins. And as you see, some weeks there's 
quite a few inserts that go in there. Number 16, our trustees take care of small repairs that may be needed. Yes. Are we on 17? 17, we have our children's talk. 18, we print Sunday school materials so our Sunday school teachers can do their thing on Sunday morning. Number 19, we run a sound system. Number 20, we change the altar cloths and flowers as needed. And number 21, we have ushers. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a few things. But all of these things, plus more, make up the church. Okay, food pantry, food distribution, okay, church, church, you all now have a podcast of the, the Sunday morning service, plus you have a telephone line that people can dial in, okay. There's more pieces to the puzzle. And what's, what's missing? You are. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Good morning again. Just a reminder to read your bulletin and know what's going on in the church. And if you can stand, if you're able, to join me in the call to worship. Our God, you have, you have knit, knit together, together your, your people, people in one communion. communion. We, we are one in fellowship. We are one in the mystic body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Make, Make us loving and selfless in living. Then we may come to you unspeakable joys which you have prepared for those who love you. Would you like to sing your prelude? Yes. Sure. Please. Y'all can sit for a minute. <laughs>
Amen. Now we'll stand and sing the hymn number 420, Breathe on Me. moment and greet one another. Bless you. You have been a godsend to our church. Thank you. Thank you. You are so kind, Kim. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. All, all thank I you. Want is to hear the word of God from the Hey, you're going to. You will. You will. That's what I try to do. Good morning. So, glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, too. My apologies for our disorganization. That's why the order of worship, because I forget so much. There are no announcements, but you have to remember to pick one of these up for your box because it's got all the information in it. Remember, no toothpaste, no uh, cap guns, no squirt guns, no Nerf guns, no weapons, no toy weapons, uh, and enjoy doing it. She's driving uh, and getting around. Thank Mr. you, Phyllis. So I thought everybody would like to know that she's. Thank you, she's Phyllis. She's doing good. The last time, the last time I saw her, she was still in wheelchair. Okay. And was having 
serious difficulty with her energy level. So good news, good she, news, good yep, news. Yep, she told me everything is going really good right now, but continue the prayers for her. And once in a while, if someone can think of it, send her a card. Yeah. It would be just special. Yeah. So thank you very much. One of the things that Pat wants to do is she wants to stay connected with us. Always. Right. Yes. Um, our ministry of prayer, please take the moment to, to look at um, the prayer list. Okay. In particular, uh, this morning, we're not going to spend tons of time with the prayer list because, as you will see in a few moments, we're going to do something special for some of the people who are with us this morning. Okay. The prayer list is important. The prayer chain is important. Okay. And those aren't just words. Those aren't just words. You, you all need to know that you have one of the most active prayer chains that I've ever been involved with. And it's not gossip. It's people in genuine need. That's a huge, huge difference than what happens in altogether too many churches. As we come to communion this morning, okay, we're going to do things slightly different through this part of the service. There's not going to be the usual pastoral prayer. Within the United Methodist Church, we have an open communion. That means that all are invited to the bread and the cup. Because of who I am and how I believe, I invite us together, that includes me, to the prayer of confession. Amongst the many things that the prayer of confession does, it makes us all equal. And you might think, how can you say that, Mike? Scripture tells us if we ask God for forgiveness, God gives it. We're all equal because we're all forgiven. Think about it. Would you join me in the prayer of confession? Dear God, you've built into us a yearning for both adventure and security. We have sought the faithful things rather than the security of their, your love. 
Instead of embracing the ventures of your kingdom, we've reserved our resources for ourselves. We have tried to satisfy our adventurous spirits pursuing petty goals. Lord, we are tired and bored with work for success and status. We are tired and bored with secondhand thrills we get through spectator sports, high def TV, and the internet. Give us courage to be more than spectators in life. Let us taste your amazing grace and forgiveness. Amen. Hear these words of assurance. God loves you, and you are forgiven. Somebody is not at all happy. Hear these words of assurance, folks. God loves you, and you are forgiven. Now, I would appreciate it if you would assure me that I am forgiven. Thank you. If you would, turn to someone close to you and give them the gift of forgiveness. Please. You are forgiven. Thank you. Our Lord taught us a prayer. Would you join me in it? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this may be uncomfortable for you if you're a veteran. But I'm going to ask you if you're a veteran, would you stand? Please. These are people who have been places that most of us have not gone. They have had to do things that most of us would never dream of being forced to do. They carry the burden of service as well as the joy of service. Would you be responsive in the litany for our veterans? We ask you, Lord Almighty, to grant our veterans healing, 
quiet, peace, and prosperity. Creator of the world, be their guard and keeper still. From all ill dreams and terrors of the night, defend them. From their hearts and from their minds, lift the yoke of perils and dangers past and free them from their burden. Strengthen them when they who have already seen so much change and chance in their lives are wearied by the continuing changes and chances of this fleeting world. As you have done in the past, do so even now. Defend them from all perils and dangers in their lives. Look upon them and reach out to them, O Lord, from the blessed place where you dwell and touch their lives for good. Enable them to know that while others may seem to have forgotten them or failed in gratitude, you have not forgotten them, and your love never fails. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I know that often the habit is to observe, celebrate Veterans Day after the day. I have an agenda. You know a veteran? Take the time to tell them thank you and say, we remembered you on Sunday. And give them this. Many of our veterans, especially since Vietnam, don't spend much time around church because they feel forgotten. They saw the devil at work too close up. It's a burden that they bear. I won't claim to understand. I am not a veteran. People that I love are. People that I love have paid huge prices and continue to pay huge prices. It's hard for us who have never been and never will to understand that people that especially have been through battle can never describe to you what they've been through. As one of my friends put it, Mike, you can't understand the stink, you can't understand the noise, and you can't understand the fear. Jesus understands. Remind them. 
and show them that you at least want to try to understand that you care. Veterans commit suicide every day. In the United States of America, some of them are our neighbors. Could we take a moment for silent prayer? We thank you, O oh Lord. We thank you. You have brought us thus far. Continue with us still. Amen. second time through the chorus. I'm sure you'll know the song. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Across the sea, let us. Go.
Amen. That means that you got to bring three people with you to listen to you sing. Oh, yeah, they will. You all, you, you all sing, you all sing beautifully. You do. You don't have to have a solo like the No. I had to apologize to Kim because, see, if, if, if I sing with the choir, okay, I can't preach. I know some of you would probably prefer that, but... <laughs> would the children come, please? What is this? A door. Yeah. What are doors good for? Opening and closing. Opening and closing. Who decides at your house who opens and closes the front door? Who? Yeah? Your mom? Um, Your, your mom or your brother, okay, you, your dad, your house, who o decides who opens the door? It's a hard one, isn't it? Your grandma, okay. You know that there's somebody that you go to that tells you whether that door should be opened for someone else or not. Okay? That's important. Because amongst other things, doors are things that help people safe. All of us have many doors in our lives. Okay? And one of the things that the Bible tells us is that each of us has a door in our heart. Just like the outside doors let people in or keep people out, the door in our heart lets people in or keeps people out. A big person tells you who to open the door for other big people to. Grandma. Yep, grandma. All right. You're the one that has to decide whether you're going to open the door of your heart. That one's your choice. 
Who will you let in? Hmm. Who will you call friend? Who will you trust? Mm hmm. Your mom. Your mom. Okay. And your grandma. Okay. And one of the people who wants us to open the door to him is Jesus. Yes. Your mom. Okay. Jesus will come knocking. He'll ring the doorbell. Will you open the door? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. He wants a place in our heart. We can trust Jesus. That's important to remember. Okay? But it's your decision. It's your decision. Will it be easy? Sometimes you'll think it is. Other times, uh, yeah. Can I tell you what's going to happen when you open the door to Jesus? No. What happens when, when you're spending time with your best friend? Do you feel safe? Do you have fun? Do you sort out what you're going to do next? Huh. Those are the things that Jesus is about. Those are the things Jesus wants you to be about. Okay? Let's have a prayer, shall we? Our blessed Jesus, you stand at the door of our lives and you knock. The door of our hearts is one that we have to decide whether we're going to open or keep closed. Help us to decide to open the door to you. Help us to know that it really is you that's there knocking on the door of our heart. And help us, O oh Lord, to just spend the best time ever with you. Hear our prayer. Amen. We have some goodies. There's so many of you that the goodies couldn't fit in the hat this morning.
it's hard to, it's hard to sort out. See, amongst the, thing, amongst the things that's difficult is children are generally not invited to be the center of attention with big people. Children generally don't have time focused on them. Big people don't listen to them. Too many other things going on. Thank you. Yep. Would the ushers please come? We do the Apostles' Creed first. I don't know. Should we? It, that's what's in. <laughs> now we're going to do it. It's ahead of you. The... You go. I don't, have, I don't have the order of worship in my hands, and we've had the and, conversation and about how, that's, how, how part of the responsibility of being liturgist is keeping me in line. <laughs> well, and she's doing it. He, did, he didn't realize I messed me. Up too, so. well, <laughs> thank God we are forgiven. Please <laughs> okay. lead us. Will you please join me in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. come forward for the tithes and offerings. <laughs> I wanted earlier. <laughs> she's, doing, she's doing good. She had people stand up so they could get to their money.
Our Lord Jesus, the harvest continues. Many of our neighbors are done in the fields. Some of them, some of us, are still working there. Oh, Lord, continue to keep people safe. Continue to bless. Continue to bless us. Take us, take our gifts. Use all for the glory of your kingdom. Hear our prayer. Amen. The hymn of preparation is number 624. Sung, you may be seated. Going to focus on Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. You have homework, and your homework is to read Revelation chapters 1 through 4 this week. Actually, I take it back. Read verses 1 through 3 this week. Okay? Chapter 3. Okay? Starting with verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, Write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe you, and keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen." 
and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen. I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you. We will eat together. I with you, you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Most people do not read the book of Revelation unless they're afraid that everything's going to come to a screeching halt. Then because they're scared, they read it. When they read it, they focus on the scary parts and the gruesome parts, and some of them are pretty gruesome. Rarely do we look at the first three chapters. And mostly we do not process what they say. One of the most difficult tasks we face in our lives is somehow arriving at a sense of the meaning of it all. Many of us are blessed in that we go through most of our lives without having to wrestle too hard with that question of meaning. I think we can agree that COVID pretty much messed that up for a lot of us. What is all this about? What does it mean? Particularly here in our country, and particularly during these comparatively prosperous times, most of us have it pretty good. Even in the face of inflation and epidemics, most of us are spared those tumultuous, life-ripping experiences that bring us to the so-called ultimate question. I have almost daily correspondence with a pastor in um, Kenya. And this week he was telling me about how bad the drought is there. And how many elephants have died in the area around him because there's no water. Woman got killed last week. She got in an argument with an elephant over water. She lost. The price of rice, which is staple to the diet in Kenya, has gone up at least three times. From $80 US, okay, 
to almost $300 U.S. A Kenyan dollar is worth a hundredth of a penny. We don't face ultimate questions very often. However, at some time before we die, almost all of us will be forced into asking that question. As long as things are going all right, we don't bother much with things like meaning. But when our lives get tough, the going gets rough, and all sorts of stuff goes wrong, when we think we're at the end of our rope and we're scared that we may soon be attending our own funeral. When we start to ask ourselves and God and anybody that we think will listen, what does all this mean? We're in a rough place. I have, I have a lot of empathy for people who are going through health crises. Did I ever tell you I don't have a spleen? Okay. I've gone septic four times. It's not, you know, I've got, I've got four t-shirts and four caps. I don't want to make the trip again. Okay. And the reality for me is if the doctors don't figure out within 72 hours what's going on with me, I'm dead. It's no fun being coming up on that last 24 hours. It's not that I'm it's not that I'm in in extraordinary pain. It's just I know how close I am. Thankfully I've got a precious friend that sees me through it. You've heard me speak about the desperate struggles of the first and earliest Christians to understand all that happened around Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. You've heard me talk about how hard it was for those same people to come to a sense of what it would mean for them to be the church. Frequently, it was in spite of themselves that those earliest followers of Christ had to wrestle with the what does it all mean. And although the risen Christ appeared to a number of them over and over and over again, I mean, he had to show up and fix breakfast. (laughs) 
Read, read the Gospel of John, the ending. Jesus had to show up, fix breakfast, and tell those closest to him, I'm not done with you yet. Jesus, again and again, had to make plain what was going on and what had to be done, how people have to live, even those closest to Jesus had the worst kinds of trouble understanding. And folks, those difficulties then are not new, and we still have a lot of them now. The very nature of Jesus, the width and depth of his life and teaching, the cosmic consequences of his death and resurrection, the rich dynamic of faith and spirit that being the church demands, all of these so surpassed, so transcended the scope of the earliest followers' experience and ability to either comprehend or communicate that they found it nearly impossible to come to a sense of meaning from the broken pieces of what had been their lives with Jesus and their lives together in the community of faith we now call the church. The puzzle. How are the pieces going to fit together? It's not my choice. It's not your choice. It's our choice together with Jesus. It was only after the day of Pentecost, only after the risen Lord sent the Comforter who will teach all things in the rush of a mighty wind that filled the upper room that the earliest followers of Jesus even began to put the bits and pieces of the puzzle together into an understanding of the meaning of it all. As the days, weeks, months, and years passed, the earliest followers repeatedly forgot or lost their sense of the meaning of it all. And the risen Lord tried again and again to send help. And our scripture focus for this morning describes one of those efforts. The scripture lesson was written by John. It's difficult to know exactly which John. Whether it was John the apostle or a disciple of an apostle is not clear either from the text itself or from church tradition. Tradition holds that the book was written sometime around 100 A.D., almost a full generation after our Lord's resurrection, by John, who was a devout follower of our Lord and who had been exiled to the Mediterranean island of Patmos because of his witness. Guy couldn't keep his mouth shut. I met this Jesus. I'm a different person. I met this Jesus. He opened up the kingdom of God for me. 
I met this Jesus. When I look at him, I see God. Okay? Then he would do something that made him an enemy of the empire. You know who the emperor was? The emperor was the son of God. What did Christians do? They said, you got it wrong. Jesus is the son of God. Tradition also says the book was not written all at once, but on several occasions. It's one of the things that makes it difficult to understand because the pieces were written separately, apparently smuggled off the island, and held separately by several different churches. Finally, all the pieces were put together by someone other than the original author, and that may be one of the reasons why it's so hard to read and hard to understand and make all the pieces fit. You want to see somebody that drives himself crazy? Talk to a Bible scholar that's focusing on Revelation. John wrote because he believed he had a message from the risen Lord. That makes the writing very different from those who recorded what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived before his death and resurrection. The messages that John recorded were several kinds. Some of them were exhortations, some of them were correction, some of them were prophecies. The scripture lesson is the last of a series of exhortations. Each one begins by addressing the angel of the church. That's the guardian spirit that communities of Christians. Don't think church buildings here. Okay? Don't think church buildings. Communities of believers. People that were held together by their faith. And early Christians believed that each of those communities had an angel. Each of the exhortations ends with the words, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Talking to the angel of the churches. And it seems clear that the Scripture lesson is of one piece, all belonging together as a single unit, yet the temptation to which many have succumbed is to split it in two. Either folk take the first part by itself, or they take the last part by itself. However, their meaning comes from being together. This exhortation is targeted to the angel of the church who had lost their sense of the meaning of it all. I'm going to confess another piece of my weirdness. You know that I park in the far corner of the parking lot every Sunday morning. And I walk across the parking lot. Somebody asked me, why do you do that? And I said, 
so there'll be room for everybody to park closer to the church than me. And I see this parking lot full like it was yesterday. <laughs> I walked across that parking lot yesterday and I said, self, wouldn't it be wonderful, okay, to have this parking lot full again, not for a wedding, not for a funeral, but because it's Sunday morning. It was full, okay? And the amazing thing was, while most of the people came here to buy stuff, a lot of them left here being ministered to. I'm seeing some of the folk that were part of the ministry shaking their heads, yes. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes when I walk across that parking lot, I talk to the angel of this church. Mostly, I ask that angel questions. When I first walked across that parking lot, I said, okay, who are you really? Who are you really? What are you about? Did I hear a voice from the sky saying, this is who I am? No. I came through the door, and you all answered the question. about caring for people, caring for each other, strengthening each other, being there for each other when life ain't easy. You're about Jesus stuff. And I told the angel, good answer. <laughs> I can live with that. Now, the message to the angel at Laodicea starts like this. I've heard about you. You ain't so hot. As a matter of fact, you're barely warm. There's nothing particularly satisfying about you. You're neither cold nor hot. I'm tempted to get rid of you. I'm going to spit you out. When was the last time you spit something out? And why did you do it? They didn't taste good. Okay. When I was growing up, I sat under a lot of preachers that this was what the sermon was all about. You're nasty and God's spitting you out. And they missed the point. Because the message to the church at Laodicea is you got to get real. 
You're looking good. Okay. You got good threads on. How you like my coat? $4, goodwill. Okay. Okay. You look good. You got money in the bank. And you think you got it made. Get real. The reason you're not so hot is because you think you've got it made, and I've got news for you. You don't have it made at all. You're nowhere close. You think you're wealthy, healthy and wealthy when you're really wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You're in a bad way, and you won't admit it. You got your treasure in the wrong place. You're a bunch of misguided bums who won't admit that you're bums. And it's all going to catch up with you. Now, that's where most preachers end their sermon on the church at Laodicea. It goes on, though. The risen Lord continues. I care about you and I'm telling you the hard truth about yourself so you can change for the better. Get motivated. Turn it around. Do you notice the door in the front of the sanctuary? I almost strangled you, Kim. Yeah, it was. Because you almost blew the sermon without words. You don't even remember doing it, do you? I said, what is the door about? And you blurted out, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yes, that's the sermon without words. How many weeks has the door been here? Too many? No, not enough. I'm sorry, too bad, not enough. If you haven't heard that. If you haven't heard that, it's not been here long enough. Okay? In the good old days, all right, when this church first started back in the 1820s, you know how you made somebody welcome? You invited them over to the house and you made sure the latch string was out through the door. They knew they could come in. If you went to the house, the latch string wasn't out. Guess what? <laughs> you weren't going to come in. Think about it. 
No doorbells, no door knockers, just the latch string. Carried a real serious message. Okay? Jesus says, I stand at the door and I am knocking. Okay, I am knocking. Not once, not twice. I am knocking and I continue to knock. So you're going to open a door. Okay? Please notice... The risen Lord, okay, is knocking on the door of those who lost their sense of meaning even if they haven't realized yet that they've lost it. The risen Lord isn't pictured knocking on the door of someone who hasn't heard the gospel. He knocks at the door of you and I who know him and should recognize him. We should have the latch string out for him. He shouldn't have to knock. The risen Lord would bring love, new life, real riches to the wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That means all of us. The beginning of all this is a simple act of hospitality beginning with the angel of this church. We all open the door to let the risen one in and we nourish each other. In a sense, Okay, do you know what the, the, the universal law of hospitality says you greet somebody with when they're a guest in your house? They still do it in the Middle East. Muslims do it better than, than Jews and Christians. Okay, the greeting is, my house is your house. Mi casa su casa. Okay, my house is your house. Have we come to that moment at which we are asking, what does this all mean? Are we like the church at Laodicea? We're really there, but we're hiding it real good. Our lives may be going horribly, and we are forced to the question for ourselves, our families, our church, everything and everyone with whom we're somehow connected. Things are, are actually are going really quite well in many different places in this congregation. Okay. Some of you had the opportunity on Saturday to be amongst people that they're obviously in really bad situations. What's going on in the larger church is dis disrupting what's going on in their congregation. We may be like the Laodiceans. Things may seem to be going great. However, somehow we're getting a message that the appearances are deceiving. 
And we need to deal with the question before it's too late. You all have embraced the question. My appeal to you is to continue dealing with it. You going to send one of the kids to open the door? Notice what, how the kids were? Y'all got well-trained kids. <laughs> who decides who opens the door to the house? Mom? Dad? Grandma? The door of our heart, we're the only one that can decide. Open the door. I love you. With me, it isn't just a word. Open the door. I love you. It's not what I can get out of you. It's what I can give to you. including a meaningful life? Hey! Things can be different. I don't care what the mythology says. I don't care what science says. Things can change. You can change. Whether we want to admit it or not, we're really wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And how can I say that? Because we're human. For us, success is merely how well we hide it. Let me in. We can change everything. Notice Jesus says we'll commune together. You can be blessed and do much in the kingdom of God if you have ears to hear. Listen. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I am running in circles. But what else is new? I would dearly love to be slick like some of my clergy colleagues are. If you're looking for that, you got the wrong person. Okay? Of course, 
It's in the magic bag. Inside the magic hat. It's not magic, but it is a symbol of God's grace. It's a reminder that what we're doing this morning comes from the hand of Jesus through a line of hands to my hand to you. Bill's another one that's in that line. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You brought Jesus to me, man. Thank you. Jesus wants us to open the door to him. And then He'll break bread with us. He'll break bread with us. He may say it loud or he may just whisper it. But he'll say, this is my body broken for you. Then he'll have a drink with us. We don't think it, of it in those terms. But he'll have a drink with us. And the whole character of that changes because either very loudly or very softly he'll say, This is my blood. This changes everything between us and God. Will we accept Jesus' invitation? Answer the door. For we sit with Jesus at table. And take in all that it means. Let us pray. Our blessed Jesus, you have consecrated the bread and the cup as no one else ever can. Renew your presence, renew your blessing. Somehow, some way, make this bread, this cup, your body, your blood, and work the miracle, Lord Jesus, of making us your body doing your work for your kingdom in this world. Hear our prayer. Amen. You are invited to the table of the Lord.
Ours is an open communion. All are welcome, including the children. As you are released, would you come? It is more than just bread. It is more than just a cup. By what he has done for us, it has become his body and his blood. Take, eat, knowing his love for you. Drink, knowing that we have a new relationship with the creator of all that is.
It is more than just bread. Take, eat, let it be for you the body of our Lord. It is more than just a cup. Take, eat, let it be the blood of our Lord. May you become the body of our Lord, doing his work in his world for his kingdom. Amen. More than just bread, more than just a cup, let be for you the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Take, eat, drink. Somehow let them make you the body of Christ, doing his work in his world. Amen. More than just bread, more than just a cup. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Take, eat, drink all of it. Let it somehow make you the body of our Lord, doing his work in this world for his kingdom. Amen.
more than just bread, more than just a cup. It's the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. Let them make you his body, doing his work in this world, his world, for his kingdom. Eat and drink. go in peace. just bread, more than just a cup, the body and blood of our Lord. May it transform you into his body, doing his work in his world for his kingdom. Amen. Eat, drink. body of our Lord, the blood of our Lord, may it transform you into his body, doing his work in his world for his kingdom. Let us eat, let us drink. Our closing hymn is 622.
let's close in closing let's all join together in the benediction O Lord of our salvation fill us all with joy and peace in our believing give us abundance of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit amen coffee there are goodies remember to express your gratitude to a veteran this week thank you mm -hmm.